All I got there is because you dropped out there is I made an arse of that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what you were talking about there at all. That was honestly. a fucking good joke. <laughs> that was a great joke. Right in my head. Sorry, sorry. I apologise. <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yeah. Uh, I hope you've seen the exorcist there. I've not seen that about your body. <laughs> 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 Thank, thankfully for a change I didn't know what you were on about there but uh, yeah there's, so, there's, there's not a lot of times that that's the case but I didn't know <laughs> what you were on about there <laughs> and the stadium erupts in red, white and blue you've never seen anything like it let's go Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? I'm very well Derek, how are you mate? I'm not bad. I was I was slightly better about five minutes ago but we had to scrap the intro because you don't pay attention to operational highlights it seems. <laughs> you were talking about egg and spoon races and things like that and I was like what the hell is he talking about here but uh, no I think I think we'll just leave it there yeah but I had a great joke all set up about Celtic's hilarious operational highlights today in their accounts and Dave doesn't pay attention to the news no. or anything like that so yeah no wasted <laughs> but a bit like me in this podcast Dave I'm wasted you certainly certainly I, are I wish I was actually <laughs> <laughs> Need to put up with your crap half the time. Exactly. <laughs> yes, but thankfully we've got a bit of hilarity anyway because the results were not the greatest. Some of the performances were iffy as well, Dave. So, got three games to cover. Well, we'll, we'll need to go through it, <sighs> won't we? I know, Derek. Frustrating, I think, is 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 the word to use, especially the last two. But like you said, we'll get into that soon enough. Yep. So we may as well batter on and go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So the first game we've got to cover, and unfortunately it's the only win of the three games we've got to cover, which was Saturday the 11th of September. It was a 2-1 win away against St. Johnson in the Premiership. So, as I said in the, the post-match, there was obviously the pre-match build-up, all the videos, a pre-recorded video of Michael Beale saying that these three points are as important as the old firm three points. And as I said in the post-match, the players seemed to forget that, I think, didn't they? Yes, I know. I had a, I had a bad feeling about this game, actually, Derek. I knew it was going to be a tough one, especially away from home. I know uh, St. Johnson had lost a couple of their sort of top players, but... You know, uh, with Callum Davidson, he's got them very well organised, hasn't he? And he's, he's got them playing excellent. I just, I had a feeling this, this was going to be a real tough one for us. I mean, saying that though, they had lost their two key players during the window as well. So you would have thought, yeah, they're, they're, I wouldn't say something to worry about, but the two best players are out. So we've got more than enough talent to, to run over the top of them, you would have thought, but it never really worked out that way. No, 
like I said, I, I'm I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give the manager a bit of credit. I do, I do think he's a good manager for them. He's got, the, like I just said, they're really well organised, a hard team to beat, and we've saw them that a, a great season last season, uh, winning the two cups. So I knew they were going to be up for it regardless, Derek. So uh, the the win was vital in my opinion because it was games like that that could potentially be uh, sort of stumbling blocks for us. So it was just uh, vital that that we got the three points and. Thankfully, we did in the end, but I'll let you get into it. Yes, certainly we're a wee break, obviously, with the international fixtures there, but we made yeah. three changes from the Old Firm game. We lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Balogun, Hellander, Bassey, Davis, Aribo, Kamara, Kent, Roof and Morelis. On the subs bench, we have McGregor, Lundstrom, Simpson, Wright, Sakala, Barisic and Arfield. This chopping and changing of the, the keepers, Dave, it's, it's a strange one to me. I know, I'm not quite sure what the reasoning is, Derek, I know last season McLaughlin was in for a few games, but it was you know for genuine reasons. It was because McGregor was out, but it doesn't seem to be anything like that at all. I don't know, Derek. I mean, I wouldn't like to think that the manager's thinking of 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 the future, you know, and you know slowly bedding uh, McLaughlin into the the team when we know how good McGregor is. It's it is a it's, it's a bit of a strange one for me as well. It's not that as well as as the organisation comes a lot of the time from the keeper. So we've had a lot of defensive errors this year so far. Is that maybe a a, a problem that the fact that the the organisation part of it is 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 floundering because we keep chopping and changing keepers? It could well be. It's it's it, it must be difficult for the centre halves as well in there when you know when they've got somebody different behind them. You know, I, I realise that they've they've got them in training every day, but as you say, it, all you know, consistency is key, and especially if you've got the same goalkeeper playing week in week out, it's uh, you know it does give a bit of consistency at the back. So, uh, it is a strange one for me as well. Yep, so need to wait and see how that goes over the next few weeks. But the first half, overall, it was very poor by your standards yep. and it was really a nothing game. Our passing across and have been woeful at times. There's a lack of movement up front and a lack of overall pace. Where have we heard this before? Yeah. Granted, St Johnson were playing compact and defensive and hitting on the break, but it was easily broken down. Our best chance, if you can call it that, was in the 36th minute when Aribo got the ball outside the box on the right, squares it to Roof in the middle who controls it, shifts it to the other side and hits a shot which forces the keeper into a decent save and out for the corner. Yeah. St Johnson never really had any chances to speak of, but on the 10th minute there was a wee bit of maybe a fortune in, in some respects, but there was a long ball down the left for St. Johnson. McLaughlin comes charging out of his box and clearly takes out O'Halloran. It was a yellow card and a free kick. Correct decision, but well done McLaughlin for taking him out in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> One of your favourite players there, Derek. I think it's many Rangers fans' favourite player. <laughs> but certainly that ball would make us come a cropper later on in the game, though. So that was yeah. a, it was early signs that yep. you know we could be got at that way. In the first half, too many anonymous players. They were, we were looking for a lot more in the second half, a lot more pace and a lot more, a lot more urgency. It's been a feature, again, the same style of play. We keep passing into the wing, trying to cross the nobody, lack of shots. Too many players, that, too many key players, I would say, have been lacking this season so far. It's Derek. It was something that was going to touch on later on. We're looking for at least one person, one wee spark, weren't we? And in, in the team, we were looking just for one bit of magic that could maybe unlock something. But you know, at that point, really frustrating. Again, I think I'm going to use that word a lot in this podcast. 
everything was frustrating about the play. And and you thought to yourself, surely there's one person that can un- unlock here, you know, can maybe beat, beat a man and and get a shot away and all that. But it was just it was it was just becoming really stagnant all the time, wasn't it? We'd, yeah. we'd get so far and then it would just stop. As, as you say, it just I don't know what it is. It's it, it can't be confident, surely, because you know we are still. You know, up the top, we'd just beaten Celtic a few weeks before that, and we, we, we really thought that the team would have been coming out and really going for it, didn't we? And it just wasn't to be. I mean, not it's in the not, first half, anyway. No, I mean, it's it's not. I don't think it's a case of teams have worked out how to play against us because we've came up against this in the last three years where teams would play very defensive, they would play very compact, and as much as it's negative football, you could argue it's our job to break that down, and I think. When we play with a lot of pace and, a lot, and we go at them and have shots, then that's when we have the, the, the yeah. better of the play and, and more chances. But too often, we'd seem to not be doing that, which yep. is, the, as you said, a frustrating thing. So into the second half, it started off pretty much like the, the first half finished off. Lethargic, not really moving. And then we came a cropper on the 50th minute where O'Halloran made it 1-0 to St. Johnson. With a long ball down the left to O'Halloran, he drifted in to find the ball. One touch to control it, cuts inside. Hellander slips in the box at the opportune time and a shot into the back of the net. A slip can happen. That's just one yep. of these things. But no, I understand, yep. The, the whole play, just it was a simple ball down there. We had been warned about it in the first half already. Ready. To, to be fair to Halloran, he done well. It was a great finish. It just had to be him, though, didn't it? <laughs> As you say, through gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was unfortunate the slip by Hellander. We, we all know how steady that, that he is. So it, it was one of these things. As you say, fair play, good finish by him. But exactly like you said, Derek, we had that early warning. In the first half, where you know he did manage to get in, so you think we would have at least tried to stop the the ball from coming in, but it wasn't to be. And we thought to ourselves, he here we go again. Uh, you know, just a, a a poor goal to lose. Yep. However, seven minutes later, those three words you love to hear: penalty to Rangers. Kent on the ball in the box. It was a lunge by the defender and takes Kent out. Clear penalty. You can't have any arguments no, about it. Whatsoever. Definitely not. Not hundred percent. Some people did though, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> and on the 58th minute, upsteps Roof. Quite a, a yeah. an interesting one there. Tavernier, mm-hmm. I think, had missed his last uh, three out of four or something like that. Uh, Roof clearly was wanting to take the penalty. He sends it right down the middle. Keeper dives to his left, and yep. it was a goal. Brilliant. Yep, excellent. Yeah, and a, a great time to get back in. Still plenty of time for us to go and hopefully get the winner, Derek. Yep. After the, the penalty went in, as Roof was celebrating, there was a bit of afters with four yellow cards given, one to Roof, Morelis and two St Johnson players, really all over a celebration. The St Johnson player went to ground like he was a dying swan, I think it was Liam Craig. In fairness, Morelis came running over with his with his arm out. It wasn't a punch, no matter what anybody tries to tell us. It wasn't a punch, but Morelis putting himself in that position again. Yeah. Roof, the innocent bystander. In fairness, though, to Willie Collum, he got the yellow card out early and he gave probably the best decision all round. He, he gave him t- himself time to think, which is something he doesn't normally do. <laughs> and he and he gave all four players a yellow card. So he, in that respect, he handled the situation very well there. I'll not say anymore, you know, that Willie Collum isn't my favourite person in the whole world, <laughs> Derek. So I'll just agree, I'll just agree with that one. I'll no, no say anymore. Yep. 
Shortly after that, Tavernier had a shot over just over the bar. Then after that, Morelos had a shot at the edge of the box. It forces a good save for the keeper. Kent had a shot no long after that as well, just over the bar. So this is the, th- the thing that angered me, is going a goal down forced us to come out our shell yes. and play more. Why yep. couldn't we have just done that for the, for minute one, get the game more or less killed off, and we'll get into that in the, in the yes. Liverpool game. But you know, it frustrates me that we have to go a goal down to actually start playing. And I think that's m- maybe the big sort of shock for us this season, Derek, because last season that's exactly what we were doing. We were going for the jug- jugular early and, you know, the vast majority of the games we were getting the goals early on, which was excellent. I mean, you know, and it, it can mean that the, the, the team, you know, that there wasn't as much pressure on them and they could play sort of a lot more free-flowing football and, you know, could control the game from start to finish. But it's not been like that this season, has it? I mean, we've, no. we've, really, we've really struggled for creating goals and you know I you know keep, keeping the lead that we've got which has been really again I'm going to say the word again the bumming frustrating so I it's it's not the best but uh, as I say thankfully as you're about to get into we uh, we, we managed to get the, the victory in the end yeah before that though on the 73rd minute a bit of controversy because Roof had been already picked up a yellow card. There was a cross in from the right. Morales nods it down. Keeper saves it. Roof hands hands the ball out the keeper's hands and kicks it into the net. Very, very lucky for me because he could have had a second yellow card for that, but it was ruled offside just beforehand as well. Yep. So I don't know what he was thinking about there. Maybe just in reaction sometimes, but... Possibly. Know, it's, it's the keeper. It's the keeper that's got the ball in his hand. Yeah. It's one other yep. player. So very worrying moment, though, in the 77th minute as Hellander came off uh, with a, a knee injury, came off in a stretcher, and Simpson came on. And I think the prognosis isn't looking too good. It's a, no. I think it's a few months he's potentially going to be out for. A huge, huge blow for us, Derek. A massive blow for us because, as, as you know, I, th- I think Hellander's a phenomenal defender and uh, his partnership with Golson's by far the best defensive pairing that we've got. And I think we're really uh, short at the back. You, you, you know that we, we know that Balligan can come in and do a job there, but apart from that, I've not got a lot of faith in Simpson, which we'll get on to when the game could coming up just from, from the, the, the other day. We'll speak about that later, but aye, it's, a, it's a big blow for us, I think. Yeah, just after that, Morelos off and Sakala on, and fortunately, a minute later, we went 2-1 up on the 79th minute with Tavernier with an absolute stunner. Yep. The ball moved from left to right, Tavernier gets the ball just outside the box at the corner of the box, he looks up, sees the keeper off his line, and shoots. The ball goes up, it dips into the back of the net just at the last minute. It was very much like his free kick against Dundee United last season, only an open play this time. What a peach of a goal. Sensational, Derek. An even more difficult feat, in my opinion, than you know the free kick. With the free kick, he had time to think about what he was actually doing, and he steady himself there. It was just total instinct, uh, just absolutely phenomenal skill, and uh, you know what a goal to win the game. You know a goal worthy of winning any game. We know that that's what Tav can do. We know that he's capable of doing these things, and it was just absolutely sensational. What a goal! Yep, and certainly a worthy winner of the game as well. So yep. that's that's how the game finished out. So certainly delighted with the win, not delighted with the way it ended up transpiring, how it happened. But you're going to get games throughout a season. But I mean, you do say 
winning and not playing well as the mark of champions. Yes. That, that's a great and a one-off, or, or maybe two or three games throughout a season. We've had it largely in, in every game this season yes. so far, haven't we? It's, it's not, been, not been the greatest No, it's, it's not. And, and, and we keep saying to ourselves, Derek, we're winning and we're not playing well. So, you know, it can only get better. You know, what's it going to be like when we're actually playing well and ha- excuse me, hammering teams? But we've still to see that, Derek. We've still to see us actually playing well. We're not playing well at all. We are in spells, but not, you know, the dominant force that we were last season. We've never seen a night of minutes yet. <laughs> Definitely not, no. Oh, that's the, the frustrating thing. And yep. It's not as if we've came up against world-beating teams, you know. So far, I mean, obviously European games aside, but it is early on in the season. I would like to think that what we'll get onto in Motherwell will give the the team a big kick up in the arse, but we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah. However, into the next game though was Thursday, the sixteenth of September. It was at home against Leon in the Europa League Group Eight game one, and we lost two 0 unfortunately, and. I wasn't too downhearted at the result, to be honest, because we felt I felt we had played exceptionally well in the first half, poor in the second half, although neither keeper had a, a great deal to do. Yeah, Derek, I'm going to have to let you go solo on this one, because as you know, I was working. I've only saw brief highlights of the games, and unfortunately I saw the goals we, can, we conceded, especially the second one, which I'm sure you're going to get in, in, into as well which was bitterly d- disappointing but uh, I'll have to let you go through the game here because I've not got much to add unfortunately yeah well before that though in, on the morning of the game the Leon team bus was spray painted and <sighs> yeah I, I mean I think that sums it up I know folk are saying oh it's bloody just spray paint it's only just a bus it's no it's it, no no it's it's absolutely pointless. I mean, what the the point I tried to make to to someone is: what does it gain Rangers? What does it gain our fans? It's just a bad name for us once again. And I know it's a, a spray paint; it could be washed off. It's just a bus, but it's it's really just it's mindless vandalism. If somebody spray painted your car or your van or your vehicle or whatever, you wouldn't like it. You'd be cloning the police on it. So, Derek, why do to, it? To, to me, it's just another negative press that we've already got that we've got enough negative presses as the, the the media in this country, the powers that be, the people that hate us, are looking for any type of ammunition against us, aren't they? Anything at all. And to me, as you say, it's just mindless stupidity. It's an act of vandalism, but taking aside what, what they've done, surely when they were done it, they, they must have said to themselves, this is going to... Or, I'd like to think that they would say to ourselves, this is going to get so much negative press. Everybody's going to pounce on this. Everybody, newspaper, media, you know, in the country is going to be printing this off if we do this. But no, it happens anyway. And again, that's as the, the, the supporters again get total negative press and giving the media any excuse to have a pop at us. That's, that's the way that I feel about it, Derek. It's just stupid and there was no need for it at all. No, I mean, I've seen somebody post up saying that, you know, Rangers fans on Twitter tell us don't listen to what the media says, don't click on their stuff. And then when something like this happens, uh, oh, that's, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder, that's really no the point either. You know, it's it's the fact that they're writing a negative story about us now. See if they're making up shit. 
then that's one thing, and you can actually fight against that, like what's been happening. However, when you give, as you said, when you yep. give them the ammunition, they yep. write, write negative shit about us. It's just an own goal every single time. But we'll move on because things like that is not going to change with <laughs> a certain section of fan base, will it? So uh, the next thing here was absolutely comical, though, because BT were planning on having Neil Lennon and Chris Sutton and Ibrox to cover the early Celtic game. However, Rangers refused them access. Tabloids were claiming it was a, it was on the grounds of they've said that they can't guarantee their safety. I'm really not sure if that has been the case. Uh, it kicked up the usual stushy from the usual suspects and Lennon was reported to have sought legal advice. Oh, for, for what? I don't know. For, I think I, th- I think it was for something like loss of earnings or something like that, Derek, because he was having a, you know, he wasn't able to a, a fulfil his, his media duties or something like that. I, I don't know how, you know, if, if they managed to, to do it another way or, or something like that. But again, though, Derek, it's this sensationalism that the media would love. You know, it was, it was, you, know they were, you could just you just knew that they would pounce on it. And it was quite incredible. It was like the main stories that were, you know, re- reported in Scotland on the news and stuff like that. It was absolutely incredible that, you know, that that's what they had to report on, you know, with everything else that's going on in the country. That that was the main news. And there was the fact that Lennon and Sutton did, didn't get in, into Ibrox or, or they weren't allowed and stuff like that. It's quite incredible. I mean, Sutton for the last 20 years has made a... He's made his money from basically just having a go at Rangers for the least wee thing. And I... I He's a clever guy for that for that fact because he's playing up to an audience and yep. BT are employing him for that very reason. And it creates people speaking about it, which means he's on BT and it gives them a good name. And BT are doing it for the right reasons, but the wrong way, if you know what I mean. They're doing it for viewers and you know clicks and. I, d- I, d- I don't know. I think I think that Neil Lennon would have got a standing ovation if it came out. <laughs> I don't, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's more the fact that apparently Sutton's been banned since last March when he was started up all his crap again. And Neil Lennon, you know, the, the, just saying the name, it speaks for itself. You know, I was right in front of him when he gave the get it up you sign to, to, to us fans. I was giving him no abuse as well, but he was doing that to me and, and the fans in general. So why, why should he be allowed access to give free reign? I know he wasn't commenting on the Rangers game or anything like that, but why have him there in the first place? That's just BT being lazy. But our story for another day as usual. Exactly, yes. So we have made four changes from the St. Johnson game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Balogun, Barisic, Lundstrom, Davis, Kamara, Aribo, Kent and Morelis. On the subs bench were McLaughlin, McCrory, Bassey, Patterson, Bakuna, Wright, Roof, Kelly, Sakala, Arfield and McClelland. So... On the first half, we started off very brightly. We were passing very well, forcing into him a lot, a lot of mistakes. Leland's passing was woeful in the first half, I would have said. Uh, we were passing the ball a bit well and definitely the more hungrier the teams. It was a decent performance. In fact, I would have said it was a better than decent performance. It was a pretty good performance, despite being a goal down. Up until around the 20th minute, we were, I would say, by far the better team. We were pressing when we needed to, keeping our shape. We were very crisp passing, forcing Leon into a lot of passing mistakes. Leon then started to come back into it after that. They were not playing better, I just think they were matching us. And then one mistake in the middle of the park from Ken and a piece of stunning finishing and we found ourselves 1-0 down. That was on the 23rd minute. Kent loses the ball cheaply in midfield. The ball passed to the left, drives the ball forward, cuts inside, does a step over. Lundstrom completely outdone. Poor play potentially from Lundstrom there. 
where the Leon attacker hits a stunning 20-yard curling shot into the bottom right. It was against the runner play, I would have said, despite even Craig and the co-commentator saying that Leon deserved the lead. You know, one mistake and a piece of stunning finishing, and that was all the good play outdone. Yeah, Derek, and I think that's possibly the disappointing bit for me, is it all came from a mistake. Again, we have been used to seeing us playing in Europe the last sort of three seasons and almost flawless performances. And that's the big disappointing part, isn't it? Is the fact that we were undone by something that we had control of. And as you say, it all started with Kent cheaply giving the ball away in midfield. I mean, you're playing against a team like that. You just can't afford to do anything like that, can you? And you're punished and taking nothing away from the guy. Like you said, that the finish was sensational. But just again, disappointing that we got ourselves in that position. Yeah, I mean, the mistake's one thing, but once again, down that left side, we've really suffered. And I don't know that... You've seen in the St. Johnson game a couple of times where, you know, penetrated down that side and one of them was a goal. So it's a, certainly a thing to work on. And again, yeah. does this lead back into the fact, well, down that left side, Tavernier's meant to be there. And a lot's been said about his defensive play. He was more than good given our defensive record last year. Are we seeing the same mistakes from the same people creeping back in? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, Derek. But no, you're you're totally right there, especially. And I think that, that people are possibly, you know, that the, the better teams are, are targeting us. They can see defensively that is the sort of weak point in the team is going down that side. And, you know, that's where, where we're getting punished. Yeah. So... Leon played after that with more confidence, as you would expect. Ironically, we started to get into the game a wee bit more in terms of having chances. Our best chance came on the 29th minute with a rebo in the box on the right, hits a shot, forcing the keeper into a good save. I would say overall in the first half, largely happy with the performance. We need to remember that they were a champion. They are, were a Champions League team. Yeah. I think they made the semi-finals. Was it last year or, or the year before? Yeah. They're worth over a hundred million pounds. We held our own, and we've shown that they can be vulnerable. But we also have shown that we can be vulnerable, obviously, losing the goal. We needed to get in their face a wee bit more, a wee bit more direct, and then we could have got something from it. However, the second half was pretty poor, I would have said. Yeah. Leon largely dominated possession and the play, and their strength and skill shone through. And we just, I wouldn't say collapsed, but it was just they put into another gear, and they were largely the overall the better team. And the game was pretty much wrapped up on the 54th minute when Leon went 2-0 up with an OG. Davis, who lost the ball in yeah. the field, Kent makes a good tackle initially near the edge of our box. He then tries to shield the ball, but only puts it into their attacker, who, who puts it onto another attacker in the box on the right. He has a shot. It was a fantastic save by McGregor. Unfortunately, it spills right to their attacker, who squares it to another attacker, who controls it, hits a shot, and a bit of a pinball where it hits our defender off the line and then off Tavernier and trickles in. Oh. A bit of a calamity, a lot of fortune, I would have said, for Leon there, but it all stems from two silly passages of play oh. where, where people lost possession, needlessly. De Derek, we, we, we were talking about him there, but James Ta James T Tavernier, you know, the, the good and the bad of James Tavernier, the good that scores that absolute world day against St. Johnson, and then the bad of James Tavernier where... It, it seemed to me that the ball went in off him in slow motion, Derek. I, when I saw the goal, I thought, why on earth do you know just stick your big 
toe and clear the ball, but it seems as if he was incapable of doing so. I don't know if he was off balance when the ball got played, but it wasn't a thunderous shot that he you know, tried to put his foot on to stop it from going in and it ricocheted off him. It was. It seemed to be like a sclaff and it sort of passed to him and flicked up over one bit of his foot and into the goal. It was absolutely disastrous, Derek. I don't, <laughs> do you think I'm being too hard on him? But I just feel that it was like a simple, just stick your foot out and get, and, and get rid of the ball, but he just didn't seem to do it. Was he caught in two minds? Was he, did he think it was going in a bit higher? Did he think it was going to be a harder shot? I honestly don't know. I think Tav could, could have done a hell of a lot better, Derek. I really do. Uh, t- to me, I don't think you can really blame Tavenier as much. I I, I just think it was poor oh. by two players by losing possession. There was a lot of fortune in the goal as well. It was a great save by McGregor. Couldn't do nothing about the, the rebound. It just fell to the right player at the right time. I think somebody should have been picking up the, the attacker that it, the ball got squared to. But again, maybe that was a symptom of the fact that nobody was expecting the ball to <laughs> to, to go to that way. And, and maybe that's why Tavenier was at the position he was because he was expecting maybe the ball to get followed up from that side rather than coming more to the the, the other side but I don't know it was to me it, it wasn't like your, your own goal where a shot hits you or you, you're sliding in to try and divert it but it ends up going or it just accidentally bounces off you it seemed as if it just trundled over his foot Derek and he, and he had time to get rid of it and he didn't I, I, I don't know. I've just I've, I've watched it a, a, a few times now. I actually think it's a really embarrassing goal for, for us to to lose from everyone. But then you know, eventually for Tav as well, I just think we could have done a hell of a lot better and really, really d- d- disappointing. And just it looked calamitous in my opinion. And I just hate seeing us playing like that, Derek, for a team who were so rock solid last season and wouldn't give away goals like that it just it, it was just a disaster an absolute disaster I mean what I've found so far this season has been rarely worldies there's always been a part of, of us that's been to blame by making a mistake in the first place but it seems to be that last season one player would make a mistake the rest of the team would cover them exceptionally well and then it wouldn't lead to a goal. Whereas this season so far, and it's going back to Rangers of two seasons ago, three seasons ago, where one player would make a mistake and then it would be a calamity trying to cover for that, which would lead to another mistake, which would then lead to another mistake and a goal. It just seems to be, certainly in this goal here, it seems to be in the first goal there, it seems to be on the the Motherwell goal we'll get to as well, which I've only seen the once, to be honest. It just seems to be that we go to bits when one player makes a mistake, where that wasn't happening last year. The team were rock solid, whereas now everybody's making a mistake when one mistake happens. Yep, no, completely. But anyway, after that, Davis came off uh, on the 60th minute. Right, came on. And Davis had a, a stinking performance, I felt. As a question playing him that much as well. He's 36, 37. He's played the European games for Northern Ireland. He's still playing every game for, for Rangers. There's certainly got to be a limit of how many games a player that age can play at this level. I think it's, even, no, even a player of that, that, that age, Derek, that's a lot of games for a guy, you know, 10 years younger than him to play. 
Uh, you know, and, and, and you've been finding that, that Stephen Gerrard's been chopping and changing players in midfield, but, it's, but Davis has been the mainstay in there, so it's a lot of games for, for anyone. It would, it would even be the same if it was Kamara or Arfield or Rebo or, or somebody like that. I think it's just, as you say, and, and I think a, a big thing as well, as you said, he's playing massive games for his country as well. Not, it's not just us. And dare we say it, I mean, I thought in the Celtic game he was by far our best player. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. But as as, as the season's going on, and we'll get into in, in the Motherwell game as well, you know, the goal came from his poor passage of play as well, which is, is really unca- un- uncharacteristic. And it's I, I certainly don't want him no, gone for the team, but maybe you're right, Derek. He's maybe needing, you know, a game out, and I don't know if that's what's going to happen tomorrow, if, if, if he'll be playing in the Cup, cup game or not, but... I think he's maybe one player that's maybe needing a game out and, you know, just to sort of rest up slightly and try and get back to... to, I mean, he'll he'll be completely match fit, but mentally as well as physically, it must be very demanding on him. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the best chance we had in the second half was in the 64th minute with Tavernier with a 25-yard free kick on the left, up and over the wall and hits the outside of the left post. Quite unlucky there. A moment of just absolute unbelievable linesmanship here Jason Denier that old Celtic player mm-hmm. dives to win a free kick while running back to the goal on the right side and right yep. in front of the linesman who gave the foul I mean it couldn't be more clearer yep, no, that it, was shocking, yep. it was a dive it was like a delayed reaction he ran about five yards and then <laughs> fell down 69th minute Kent came off with a hamstring injury and Roof came on now this is the thing that's really pissing me off is the fact that it was said in commentary that Kent has been playing for the last few games at least with a, a niggling hamstring injury. Why has he been playing all the games constantly? It's led to this even worse hamstring injury now and he's clearly not been playing to the best of his no. ability. He's been way, way, way off the boil this season. So if he's been playing most of this season with a, a with an injury that's limited in what he can do as I've said before, it's been like a worse than a man down sometimes why the hell is he playing when we've perfectly got perfect cover there and right? We've had before him getting COVID. Hadji was there. Why? I don't know. And in, 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 in a way, Derek, I am slightly relieved that I found that out about him because I think we were all really worried with the fact that, you know, one of your best players in the last two seasons was suddenly completely off form and off the boil and, you know, didn't look fit and, and we were all quite worried. When it came out that that was the case, we were saying to ourselves, oh, well, no no wonder he's no, you know, been playing like that. But as you say, when we've got players in there like uh, Hadji that could have came in or even playing a, a, a Rebo up front or Scott Wright as well, who's, who's been playing really well, you say to yourself, well, was there any need for him to play that many games? To be off the boil and uh, you know, given but below par performances like that, and it's again, it's a puzzler, Derek, isn't it? What, why, why that's the case, and maybe, maybe showing a wee bit that maybe your squad isn't got the depth in it that, that we thought it would, especially in that position. Anyway, I just think, I think we have got the squad. I just think we're severely hampered with with injuries and. Covid stuff the now, and that's just one of these things we're going to need to deal with. Every every team will get injuries, and last year was was no exception. But we seem to deal with it a wee bit more. But I think we're maybe now seeing that the manager may have his favourites, and this is the thing that maybe needs to stop. Is you play the player who's in form, 
and who's right for the game, not just because he costs a lot of money or he's your favourite or he done a great turn last year. You need to play who's in form just now. And it's quite clear that he was playing with an injury and out of form. I just don't get it. Yeah. But we'll see how long he's out for. I think that's another, if it's certainly a hamstring one, that's at least, you know, four, four or five yeah, weeks. Yeah, which is a so. bit of a nightmare, yep. Yeah. 74th minute, pressure from us on Leon. Aribo gets the ball at the edge of the box. He tries to switch it rather than shoot. He lost the ball, a lunging challenge, and picks up a booking, and Morelos gets booked for descent too. So, just fucking shoot the ball. I mean, I don't know what they're waiting for when it comes to trying to shoot the ball. He picked up a booking because he had lost the, the possession and he, ha- he he tried his best to get it back again and it, it led to a foul. Morelos, so he basically caused two bookings there because he just wouldn't shoot the fucking ball. My point I'm trying to make about shooting the ball is when that Leon player in the box got that ball, he had a few players in front of him, Tavernier and I can't remember, Goldson on the line as well. Do you think he tried to move it onto his right foot to, to try and get the perfect angle. No, he just blasted the ball uh, with the with the hope of what actually happened. It hit off a couple of players down at the back of the net like a game of pinball. It doesn't matter how the ball goes in the back of the net. It just needs to go in the back of the net. So if you blast it against them and it doesn't go anywhere, right, fine, it's a shot. But if it does go somewhere, you might get the break of the ball. And that's the thing that we're not doing this season. We're not taking our chances. We're not shooting. And strange because if there's one player in the Rangers team who I feel is incredibly ball greedy, Derek, well, especially in, in, in the, fi- the final third and would shoot at any chance they got, it, it would be Morelos. So I, I don't know what's happened there. As, as you say, they're, they're just trying to be too intricate or something. I, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's, it, is, it is quite worrying, Derek, at that stage. But... Again, they were a top team, but when you when you're two 0 down like that, Derek, you, you should be saying to yourself, oh, so, "So what? Let's let's just go for it." And, and quite rightly, what you say, just have a bloody pop at goal. Yep. So we had a couple other chances after that. Sakala came on for a rebound just after his wee chance there, um, probably to stop him getting another booking. To be honest. Uh, Sakala had a good chance but it was ruled offside as well and that's how the game ended up so as I said I'm frustrated with the way we played because I think had we taken chances had we not just kind of collapsed after they they scored you know we would have been certainly at least in for a draw would have said if we could have kept it there but we allowed ourselves to, to fall into that trap, a few mistakes, and then that's it. But we've got to caveat that with they are the top-ranked sides in the competition yeah. so far, so we can't expect to win everything that way. No, as you say, there's that frustrating word getting used again, Derek. It's not just me that's using it, and I think that's going to be the... That's that's going to be a word that we're going to use a few few more times getting into the next game as well. Yeah, I mean, just on the, the last point on Leon game is I, I think both keepers only had about two or three saves to make each, so it's not as if we were under siege and, and McGregor was making save after save. You know, Leon, as much as they were showing that the quality they had in the second mm-hmm. half, they weren't battering down the door. So neither were we, obviously, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> but. It's, it's not as if they were absolutely hammering us, and that is, again, frustrating. So, But anyway, it led into the next game, which was Sunday the 19th of September. It was a one-each draw at home against Motherwell in the Premiership, and of all days, it was flag day. It certainly was, Derek, and fans were well up for it. It was flag day. We've been waiting to unfurl the, the league championship flag for a long time, Derek, and... 
everybody was well up for it. We were just uh, a pity that the Rangers team weren't up for it, Derek, <laughs> because certainly I think we started off but, but brightly, but again, we used the F word again, frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, as I said, flag day, and it turned out to be a bit of a damp squib. It was uh, just a case of, apart, I think we were asking everybody to be in their seats for about quarter to three. It just uh, turns out that Douglas Park raised the flag, and the flag got taken down, and that was really it. So <laughs> there was no big pomp and ceremony, there was no display, there was no fireworks, and apparently the management had asked to keep celebrations to a minimum in order to focus on uh, winning the game, which really worked out well, didn't yeah. it? So, so, uh, exactly. So um, it was a bit of formality, and to be honest, yeah, it was great to do, but academic at the end of the day when it was six six games into the season. But we made four changes from the Leon game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Simpson, Barisic, Aribo, Kamara, Davis, Roof, Sakala, and Wright. On the subs bench, we had McLaughlin, Lonstrom, Balligan, Morelos, Bassey, Arfield, and Bakuna. Morelos was on the bench because of a, a tight hamstring, apparently. Okay, now Derek, a strong bench, first of all, very puzzling, who we would all, 99.9% of us out there would say if Hellander is out, Goldson would be paired up with Balligan at centre-half, you know, that's who, who we would be saying, that's who we were all looking for, that's who we would all have been a lot more comfortable with. He put in Simpson, and again, I hate singling out players, Derek, but in my opinion and everybody else's opinion that I've read, Simpson is well down in the in, in the pecking order when it comes to centre-halves that we have available. So I was very puzzled about that one that, that Balligan was on the bench and Simpson was playing from the start. I don't know if you felt the same way or not. I think he's been much maligned, I would have said. I don't mm-hmm. think he's been given a sustained run in the team, which I think there's been quite a few players like that and a few of them have left as well and a few of them are away on loan and that's a symptom of this year as well because I don't think we've kept the same back line for two games in a row yet, have we? No, but again though, this was an op- opportunity for that to start and if that's the case, is Simpson going to be playing in the next game as well? You know, it's I find it v- very puzzling because I think that the guy is a squad player at best, I know you're saying that he's, you know, he, he's much maligned, but you can only go on what you've watched, Derek. And when I've watched him, I've not been o- overly impressed by the guy. I'll, I'll be completely honest. Doesn't mean to say I hate him and he, sh- he shouldn't be getting his chance, but I just think for for games like this, for, for these games that, that you know that we're wanting to go out and win, he, he should be playing the best two available defenders. In, in my opinion, it would be Goldson and Balligan for that way with Hellander being out. I mean, the thing is, though, Dave, you say that the games that we want to win were Rangers. We want to win every single I game. I know, I know. There's a few other ones there as well. I mean, Barisic hasn't kicked the ball this season, I don't think. No. I think. He's been bang off form. I don't know if he's carrying an injury. I know, obviously, he was at the, the Euro Championships and he picked up a knock as well. And I think he only got one game against uh, Scotland as well, of mm. all teams. Aribo, fair enough. Davis has been off the boil in the last few games. Roof definitely needs a start. Sakala, I'm glad he was starting. Right, he was obviously the natural replacement for Kent there. As you said, Simpson, you know, maybe know the best, I think. But what I would like to have seen is Bassey starting as well, because I think when he's 
played, he's been outstanding. Yep. So Yep, he certainly has, yeah. Yep. But in the first half, though, we were very impressive, I felt. Arguably the best we've seen seen this in any half this season. Chasing everything, playing with pace and intent. Some lovely passes of play and some good passing. Motherwell were playing very compact, sometimes with 11 behind the ball, and they were breaking quick and they were pressing us when we were trying to get back out of defence as well. We had a worrying moment on the 11th minute, though, when Motherwell got the break of the ball in space in the box. McGregor makes a good save to push the ball away. Then Golson comes in and makes a great recovery tackle to get the ball at the box and put the attacker on his arse at the same time. So early signs that, you know, certainly Motherwell potentially dangerous well, up front. Again, Derek, I'm going to single the man out. And you know I don't usually do that, but... Simpson complete. I mean, he was he was up against Tony Watt. Derek, it was him who had the chance, and he basically just walked past Simpson. Simpson got completely completely on the wrong side of him. Very very easy for him just to get through a defence. And everybody is is going on about the tackle for Golden, which was excellent. But McGregor initial stop right at the feet to sort of just push the ball slightly to get him off balance because I thought he was just going to scoop the ball into the net at that point but then the excellent you know recovering tackle from Goldson superb and Rangers straight on the break from there Yes, it was a very sliding doors moment because we quickly made the break up the park from that. Arebo gets in space on the right, just inside the box. Hits a great shot, deflected off the defender and a great save by the keeper to put out from the corner. And from that corner, we went 1-0 up with Zakala scoring. Resulting corner in from the right by Tavernier, flicked onto the head of Arebo at the near post and Zakala pretty much on the line nods it into the back of the net for his first competitive goal for us. However, Dave, it was offside, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not caring a shit Derek if it's <laughs> offside I'm not delighted for the wee guy with that big smile on his face great poacher's instinct there Derek absolutely fantastic for, for him to go off the mark as well and you know at, at that point I, I realised that, that Motherwell had, had had that one chance but as you said Derek we were, we were playing excellent at, at that point we were really putting Motherwell under pressure and I genuinely thought at that stage, getting the early goal, we would go in and get at least another two or three in the first half because we were playing brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we played very attacking. We had quite a few chances in the game. Unfortunately, there was not a... wasn't putting the keeper under... It was certainly making them make saves, but they were generally easy takes. But I was impressed with the way we were playing. We were attacking, we were shooting, we were trying to get... Into space when it was required, not when we just felt as if we had to. We were varying the, the play about as well. So, happy at going in at 1-0. As you said, it should have been 3 or 4 at that point, though. Into the second half, Dave, I never seen much of it because I was watching it while I was travelling on a phone and I, I seen it, I was in my mother-in-law's house as well having dinner, so I never really seen much of it. But from what I gathered... We appeared to completely drop the pace. We weren't playing with the same intensity, which led to a lack of chances, and we were failing to break them down. And then a collective mistake by a number of players led to the Motherwell equaliser. Would that be a, a fair summation? Yep, com- completely, Derek. That, that that was it. I feel that we just completely dropped. Going into the second half, I don't know why players that we were, you know, that were playing at a really high tempo in the first half just sort of really fell back. I don't know if I'm maybe doing Motherwell a disservice, you know, because they did change their tactics at that point and, you know, they were starting to hit on the break, but I just had a horrible feeling maybe about 10 minutes into the second half, Motherwell had had a few 
chances to break forward. And uh, again, I just I thought this is what we're, we're going to get caught here, and we just didn't look our composed self at the back again. I'm not going to slag the man off again, Derek, but <laughs> I just felt that every time that Motherwell were on a one-on-one position with Simpson, they were coming out on top. And I, I hate being critical of your players, Derek, but I just didn't feel comfortable with the guy playing at the back at all. It was that sort of hiding behind the cushion moment every time that it, so somebody was bearing down on him. And I think they were targeting him at that point as well to try and get at him. And I'm sure as you're about to get into with the goal, it's just another calamitous piece of defending from us, slack back passing and failure to get a tackle in. And I'll let I'll, I'll let you get into it, Derek. But again, I'm just just really disappointed. Well, I was going to ask you about the goal because I've not seen it the once. Okay. So, from what I gathered, is it was an attempted back pass by Davis. Davis I don't know why yep. he was doing it, and Motherwell nipped in, got the ball. They kind of taken a couple of passes. Simpson was caught in no man's land. It was kind of Goldson trying to cover, and then they just hit a shot in the back of it. As, as as far as I remember, Davis. That's exactly it. And for Davis as well, Derek, he had about three or four different options on at that point. He had no need to turn back. And pass and pass the ball back, but it was a poor ball back. I don't know if he was trying to hit the defender or play it back to the goalkeeper. I'm not sure, but the player just walked in, and again, Simpson flat-footed. The player was just was able to get by him at ease. It, it really was, and as you say, Golson then stuck with two players to to try and defend, and you know the ball ends up in in, in the back of the net. Really poor defending. I'm sure Alan McGregor must have been doing his absolute nut. And, you know, it, it was just that horrible way that we could sense that it was going to happen, Derek. Do you know how last season when we were winning games 1-0, everybody was saying, oh, we can, I'm, I'm always, you know, re- really weary. But you always had it in the, in the back of your head. Defensively, we are sound here. We might be under a bit of pressure, but we'll pull it off. I never felt like that at all. In that game, Derek, and again, it comes down to who was playing at the back for me. And again, I, I, I keep saying it, I hate singling players out, but I just don't think that we look the same at all with him playing there. And that, along with poor play back by Davis and putting the defence un, un, under pressure as well, we've not been able to cope with it. Motherwell have, have, have capitalised after that. And then, you know, that, that, that was it. Just, again, really, really disappointing. And the thing is, Dave, you mentioned we had a strong bench. Now, we waited 10 minutes after the goal to, yep. to make any subs. It was a double Quite substitution. Quite incredible, yep. So, what, what, again, what is the point? And then from what I did see is I felt Motherwell probably finished the stronger team as well. It's not that they, they, they finished the strongest team, Derek. They were quite happy to hold on to the ball, retain it, frustrate us. Again, I, I said it in my post-match analysis, Motherwell were time-wasting, but, you know, they were quite within their right to do that. They came to Ibrox, they had survived the onslaught in the first half, they got themselves back, back into the game. Every team, doesn't matter who were playing in Scotland, would have done exactly the same thing at, at that stage, and we couldn't break them down. And as you quite rightly said there, Derek, absolutely criminal. Steven Gerrard has got to take some of the blame here. As soon as Rangers, as soon as they equalised, Alfredo Morelos should should have been on. He should have changed the attack completely to try and, and get us a goal. But to wait so long 
with only f- 15 minutes left of the game to try and get somebody to come on and change it is just far too late, Derek. It really is. Yeah. And there was an amazing stat that came out as well at the end of the game. Out of the 95 or 97 minutes or whatever it was, including injury time, the ball was out of play for 51 of those minutes. So I think this football as a whole, there's a, there's a big issue with time wasting and the fact that the clock continues on when substitutions happen or the ball's out of play for a, a throw-in or something like that. But that's absolutely ridiculous when you look at obviously value for money would you know but certainly I don't know if there's going to be any directives to try and sort that as in the football as a whole I don't know if it means you know doing what they do in, in rugby is stopping the timer or uh, certainly they do that in NHL or uh, NFL as well yep. it would create potentially games that are, are maybe two hours long I'm, instead I'm, but. I'm, they change the rule when it comes to substitutes and stuff like that Derek that if you're sub you go off to the the nearest side of the park to where you are, and that that was to alleviate some of the time wasting. You know where, where you know before they would get the left back to come off. You know that's like the furthest player away from the sidelines. You know he waste as much time as possible, but it still it still goes on. But again, Derek, I'm not going to slag off Motherwell for doing that because any team would have done the same. It was our inability to be able to get back into the game. And again, I'm putting that down to the management as much as the players because it should have been changed straight away as soon as we lost that goal and it wasn't. Yeah. And what is even more frustrating and arguably kind of fortunate about the result, though, is Celtic lost against Livingston on the same day as well. So, you know, fortunate in the fact that we never lost any points uh, to them. We've actually gained a point over them, but it's a gap of four points and it should have been a gap of six points. Yep. Derek, again, the F word, frustrating. That was incredible that we've, uh, you know, that we've slipped up there. They're, they're no any great shakes, Derek, but they are going to be our main rivals in the league this season, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. And for us to have been six points ahead of them so early on this season, you know, it would be massive. And that's a huge chance blown there. And again, I'm just really, really annoyed and pissed off about it. I, I, I really am because we had the, ch- the chance there to do that. So, I, again, really disappointing and really frustrating, Derek. Yeah. At the same time though, to be four points ahead of them at this stage of the season and considering we've not really kicked our own arse this season so far, I would say it's pretty good going. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm still feeling a bit raw about the last two two games, Derek, especially that last one. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. So in the table, we are on played six, won four, drawn one, lost one, scored 11, conceded five, goal difference plus six, and we're on 13 points. We're topped by a point over Hibs, who are on 12 points, but it's academic at this point anyway. So the games to come, we have got a game, what will be tonight when you listen to this, hopefully, is Wednesday the 22nd of September. It's at home against Livingston in the League Cup uh, quarterfinal. That's a 1945 kickoff. Fortunately, it's at home. We've already beat them this season, but just typical, they'll be on a high after after beating Celtic. Obviously, the leveller is their pitch, which they're not going to have as well, but we need to buck up our ideas as well. Definitely. 
Saturday the 25th of September is the next one. It's away against Dundee in the Premiership. That's a three o'clock kickoff. Then we're into our next Europa League game. That's uh, game two of Group A. That's on Thursday the 30th of September, away against Sparta Prague. 17.45 kickoff. No fans allowed in the stadium because they have got a stadium ban. Always found that very harsh on the away fans. However, it was announced today that they are going to allow some of their fans in the stadium, and it's going to be like school kids, I think, as well. So, All right, okay. there's some atmosphere there, but it'll be a bit weird anyway. Yeah. And the last game before the international break is Sunday, the third of October. It's at home against Hibs in the Premiership. That's a three o'clock kickoff as well. So, a potential top of the table clash right there. <clears throat> yeah, definitely, Derek, and another one that you know. Go out and win that potentially three points clear. You know anybody at that point. So no, before points clear, I should say. So you know that's a huge game as well. Really need to go it. We, we we just need to start. You know improving, Derek. Improving all over the pitch, and we really still haven't seen an out and out victory for the club. Do you know the Celtic game was the closest we came, even though there was certain parts in that game. You know, but. I think that's been about the only one where we've been mostly in control of the whole game and got the victory. We really need to go out. We need to score goals, Derek. That's the main thing. We need to go out and actually score a few goals against a team and we've still see it happening this season. So here's hope we can do it. Yes. So we'll go now into the classic match. And there it is. The final whistle's gone. Rangers have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So, Dave, you have got the last game of a certain player called Butch, haven't you? That's right. Uh, I scouring uh, sort of the archives of Rangers videos as I do, and I came across a match in 1989. It was actually the last game that Ray Wilkins played for Rangers. You know, absolute superstar a player. He came to Rangers at the end of his career, but made a huge impact. Very popular with Rangers fans. I can just remember him playing for Rangers. I think I was only 13, 14 when he left, but I can still remember him playing. And uh, it's just it's strange, Derek, looking back at Scottish football then compared to now when it came to money and teams spending money because, uh, as I'll get into in a minute with the Dunfermline team, it's quite incredible uh, the, the, the amount of money that they spent on players back in the day compared to how, how it is now. So, But anyway, the, the, the Rangers team in that day, Woods, Stevens, Monroe, Brown, Wilkins, Butcher, Trevor, Stephen, Ian Ferguson, Ali McCoy, Mo Johnson and Mark Walters. So a team full of international players there. John Brown, though, having to play centre-half for Rangers that day along with Terry Butcher. Now, the Dunfermline team... These names will not mean anything to you, Derek, but I can remember these players clearly back in the day. Dunfermline had a fantastic team. Uh, Ian Westwater in goals, Wilson, Rugby, Norrie McCarthy, who was their captain, Tierney, Sharp, Smith, Rafferty, Jack, George O'Boyle, and a Hungarian internationalist, a player called Estevan Cosma, Derek. Now, Dunfermline paid £500,000 for this guy back in 1989. Now, no disrespect to Dunfermline, but the whole Dunfermline team at the moment probably isn't worth £500,000. It shows you how far Scottish football has fallen as a whole in the last 
20 odd years, the fact that Dunfermline could spend that amount of money on one player when they were in the Premier League compared to how things are now. There, there's no club outside Rangers and Celtic could spend that amount of money on a player, Derek. So it's quite incredible. But anyway, it was looking back at Ibrox, it was before the stadium was transformed into all blue, going back to the old multicoloured Ibrox. I always loved going back and looking and see, seeing the stadium like that. Rangers really got off to a flying start with an early chance, a free, free kick to Rangers on the left wing. Trevor Stephen into the uh, put, put the ball into the box. Terry Butcher with the header, but a soft one by his standard straight into Westwater's hand. And then Rangers really content and keep keeping the ball in the early stages of the game after that. Dunfermline really not getting out of their own half. Rangers spraying the ball back and forward with Ray Wilkins being the centrepiece in midfield for Rangers. He was determined to go out with a bang in his, his final game, Derek. And uh, then on the, the, the 14th minute, it was him who produced a bit of magic. Absolute sensational. Here's Wilkins. That's meant for Johnston. And he's done it. Oh, what a superb goal. That was a magnificent pass from Wilkins. It really was. He looked up. Trying to find somebody. It really was super. Watch it. It went all the way through. Johnson onside. Brought it down. Never an easy chance, but he made it look so. Rangers are one up and 14 minutes gone. He gets the ball just inside his own half. and uh, Inside the Dunfermline half, I should say. He just has a quick look up. Spots Mo Johnson making a run and just puts this fantastic chip pass straight onto the feet of Mo Johnson. He never even had to move right in front of him. And he took one touch in, into the box, Mo Johnson, and fired the ball low past Ian Westwater into the goal. Absolutely sensational. Great play by, uh, by Mo Johnson. Great finish. But what a pass by Ray Wilkins. That's what we all knew that, that, that he could do. And then the first real chance for Dunfermline after that high ball into the Rangers box. It was half cleared by John Brown. Falls to Cosma. On the volley, but thankfully straight at Woods to keep it still 1-0 to Rangers. And then a wee bit of controversy. Ian Ferguson actually scored a goal, but it was dis- disallowed quite harshly. Mark Walters on the left wing. Great cross in- into the box to Ian Ferguson. He took control, that volleyed it into the net, but the referee had said that he actually touched his hand in the way and thought he was really un- unlucky there. But still only 1-0 to Rangers. Then the next chance, a low shot at the edge, edge of the box by Terry Butcher, of all people. It was a powder puff shot by Butcher and it was straight into the hand of the goalkeeper. But then Rangers made it 2-0, thankfully. Ferguson. That's the expected cross. Butcher is up and he's good. Well, he deserved it for that little run that... Uh, was not the position we normally see him in and it all worked out eventually now watch the way he came in for it impeccable timing but a lot of determination as well and I think uh, Mrs Butcher will demand that he shave before he gets home tonight it was Mark Walters he beats his man at the edge of the box he feeds Terry Butcher of all people in the left wing he puts a high cross into the back post, it's headed away 
onto the right wing, picked up by Gary Stevens, who then spots Butcher, who'd been on the left wing. He continues, gets up, continues in, into the middle of the box, and Stevens puts in a fantastic cross. Butcher up higher than everybody else, heads it past Westwater to make it 2-0 to Rangers. Excellent he- header there, and that's what we were expecting for somebody like Terry Butcher. And then a, a wee chance for Dunfermline on the right-hand side of the box. Falls for Giorgio Boyle, the Northern Ireland and internationals. He takes a, uh, a slight touch by Stevens that, that, that put him off, hits the ball, thankfully straight back at Chris Woods. And that's where the first half comes to an end. And into the second half, though, it was the Ray Wilkins showing that in the middle of the park. He was just controlling the, everything that was going. Everything was coming through him and almost scored a wonder goal when he tried a certain incredible chip for the edge of the box which the goalkeeper was sprawling just over the bar. Really, really unlucky there. And then after that, Derek, probably my three words in the whole of the English language, penalty to Rangers, where Mark Walters pushed down inside the box. Fans were screaming and shouting for Ray Wilkins to take it, but he handed the ball to Mo Johnson, who stepped up and blasted it, unfortunately, over the bar which still made it 2-0 to Rangers. So the fans going absolutely mental that it wasn't given to Ray Wilkins at that point. But then Mother Nature, Derek, because the fog then started pouring into Ibrox and made the visibility really poor. The game was still able to play, though. And then another wee chance, Stuart Monroe, he put a great ball through to Ali McCoy. He hits the first-time shot just past the post. Really unlucky there. And then Dunfermline with Cosma, he wins the ball on the right wing. Low cross to O'Boyle, but scooped up at the feet by Chris Woods. Really, really un- unlucky there by Dunfermline, but a great save by Chris Woods. Then the next chance was Mark Walters, but he's back to goal. Twists and turns, completely takes his man out, out of the game. Great ball to Trevor Stephen in the left wing. He puts a great cross back into Mark Walters, who continued his run. And, you know, strange for, for Mark, Mark Walters for the header, but he had a header just past the post. It would have been sensational. Really unlucky there. Rangers really go, going for it, trying to get that third goal. Another chance for Mo Johnson. Low cross from the right wing. Snapshot by Mo Johnson. Again, though, straight at Westwater. The fog even thicker at this point, making it even more difficult to see, getting right to the end of the game. But thankfully, Rangers were able to round it off with a third goal right at the end of the game. Wow, here's Johnson with a chance. Here's McCoy's. He must score. He's done it. Greeting the supporters, and hasn't he enjoyed that one? <laughs> well, that's about a give of it. And down the ball went. Well, McCoy certainly had the, the opportunity laid right on a plate by him, by Johnson, and he took it with the greatest of ease. 3 nothing, and just a few seconds remaining. Mo Johnson this time, a through ball. One and one, he spots Ali McCoy's completely unmarked and totally unselfish, just lays the ball off to Super Ali, who's able to walk the ball into the empty net to make it 3-0 to Rangers. Final score, very emotional at the end. You can see Ray, Ray Wilkins going round everyone, clapping. You could see it on his face. You know, he was really, really sad at that point for, for leaving Rangers. And 
Uh, the, the interview at the end, it was fantastic. Archie McPherson speaking to Ray Wilkins there just to show him how much the club meant to him and how much his time at Rangers had been re- really, really special for him. So for guys like yourself, Derek and Younger, that didn't get a chance to watch a lot of Ray Wilkins playing for Rangers, it was at the end of his career, but he was still an absolute class actor. If you go back and watch that, he just completely controlled the whole game for me and, uh, you know, very, very fitting you know, the Rangers fans at the end giving them a fantastic send-off from the club. And a man that's great, greatly missed, a man that always talked up the Scottish game and especially Rangers as well, and really sad that he's no longer with us, Derek. No, certainly not. And, you know, a game before my time, obviously, I, watching some of the highlights there, just what a player he was, yep. even the very short spell he was with us. Also as well, the, the penalty missed by Ferguson, <laughs> you got the amazing commentary with uh, Archie McPherson when he missed it, just going, woofed! <laughs> <laughs> that's Archie, that's never, Archie. Never change Archie, please. Nope. But <laughs> Yes, so Dave will be back with another Classic Match next episode. So we'll now go into the news. So, first thing we've got to cover here, and it's a good news story because Walter Smith attended a charity golf day with a number of other well-known footballers and sports stars, so exceptionally good to see him getting uh, up and about again. Certainly, we don't know, obviously, what had happened, but he was certainly in recovery for a a long time, and we don't know the, obviously, ins and outs of it, but it's great to see that he's he's back up on his feet and out in public. Absolutely brilliant, Derek. I thought exactly the same as you. Great to see him back out, especially at a big event like that, and you know, he was looking well, so, you know, here's hoping that that's the end of all these sort of health problems that he had, and we'll be seeing more and more of them, especially back at the games and stuff like that. Yes. Next thing is Rangers finally released Inside 55. Well, sort of, because um, we still never seen the footage from that properly. However, relentless, as in 55, the Inside story it was a uh, pay a fiver for a review of the journey to 55 on you pay that on RTV. Absolutely fantastic, Dave. I don't know if you've seen it. I honestly shed a tear at the end. It was emotional. It was draining. It was just amazing. No, I haven't yet, Derek. It is something that I've got to do in my watch list. I've got so so many things uh, that I've still still to do, but it's definitely one that I will be getting, Derek, because I'm, I am a, a, an RTV subscriber, so I will be getting that, and I will be watching it. Looking forward to it. Yes, it's, it's highly recommended. Yep. However, we've also announced, in collaboration with the makers of Take Us Home, Leeds United, we'll be making a film, a 90-minute film about Rangers 72 and us winning the Cup Winners' Cup as well. So, oh, excellent. Uh, cannot wait to see that. That's going to be, be brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Certainly something that's, it was before your time, Dave. It was before my time as well, yep. obviously. Um, certainly... Uh, it'll be great to see all the, the ins and outs and interviews with players, hopefully, as well. And, Definitely, yeah. That'll be excellent. Yep. Next thing here, rather bizarre, is Aberdeen, Hibs, Dundee, Dundee United and Hearts, all the friends, you know, friends, Yes. Mm-hmm. are commissioning a, a holistic, independent SPFL review, leaving out Rangers and Celtic of the equation as well. Primarily, it's to find new ways of making more money for the Scottish leagues and has the backing of the SPFL funny that isn't it you know somebody yeah. else doing their work for them exactly we've obviously criticized the spfl recently over the lack of ability to grow the scottish game once again this is the clubs having to do the job of the spfl 
It's absolutely pathetic from the, the, the powers that be there. But again, without us in Celtic, there is no Scottish football brand. I don't know where these clubs think they're going with this when they don't include Rangers and Celtic. The clubs and fans, and I know they call us the ugly sisters and all that kind of thing, but they need to come to terms with the fact that we only get a TV deal because of Rangers and Celtic. And you look at the, the percentage of games, it's probably something like 80-85% of the games that Sky broadcast, of the 48 games, are involving Rangers or Celtic. Because you've got the four Edinburgh derbies and you've maybe got a, a very small handful of other games that are not involving Rangers and Celtic they, they show. The rest are all Rangers and Celtic. Completely, Derek, and it's been like that for, you know, as long as I can remember. And again, I, I hate being this... Uh, arrogant way but it is what the vast majority of people want to watch not just in Scotland but throughout the world that's you know it's games involving Rangers and Celtic that people want want to see and it's been like that for, for a long time I don't know if it's that you know just you know ig- ignorant denial you know for these clubs and the supporters that you know that they, they, they think it's maybe something different but it's not it's uh you know, it's, it's 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 quite incredible that they still think like that. But as you say, I think the bigger story here is the fact that, it, quite rightly, what you say, the incompetent powers that be that continually fuck up any chance we've got to making any real money in this country are now having to rely on you know the, the clubs, you know other other clubs to try and find alternative means you know, to try and get money back into the game. Absolutely incredible and incompetence at the highest level for me again. It's also funny that we offered to, you know, pay for a review, you know, last year or two years ago into the SPFL, but no, nobody wanted that. Exactly, yeah, incredible. Next thing here, I've got to give the SPFL and the SFL a wee bit of credit kind of for this bit here, but vaccine passports, the SNP government are saying that stadiums with more than 10,000 attending need the fans to have a vaccine passport. Now, the rights and wrongs of passport, the vaccine passport in general, are another debate for another podcast, um, but for the football point of view of it, how feasible is it? There's no infrastructure there, not enough stewards. Who keeps the data? For how long? It's, it's slightly changed today, but it was only meant to work for the, the people who were vaccinated, double vaccinated in Scotland, not for anybody outside Scotland. There was a story of somebody who was had their first vaccination in Scotland, had their second in, in England, but that wouldn't count for that. The next question was, what if 9,999 9, attend? You know, what if 10,000 tickets are sold, but only 9,500 turn up, which, you know, you can happen. We sometimes get seats getting sold and they nobody turns up for them. As usual, it's something that hadn't been properly thought, thought through by the complete inept government that we've got in this country. However, SPFL and SFA, to their credit, they've been pushing back on this, saying that it's feasibly not possible to do this. And they suggested spot checks should be done uh, because it's the only workable way of doing it. So today, what came out in the, the government announcement, and it's not v- worded very well at all. Mm-hmm. But it appears surprise, that, surprise. <laughs> exactly. But it appears from the announcement that it will only be spot checks that is needed. So a bit of common sense there. Again, how often are stewards going to do it? I'm not too sure. How it's getting done? I'm not too sure. As usual, the actual details that people need, and bear in mind this comes into effect in, in what, 10 days' time uh, for, for the games or something like that. It's the, the 1st of October it's, it's coming into play for uh, for this. Nobody knows the, the exact details, yep. which they should know by now. So, 
Scottish Government as usual. Exactly, Derek. Everything is completely confusing. Nobody can actually make their minds up for the Scottish Government to try and go in and, and try and ha- hammer out a deal with the powers that be at Scottish football. We've got absolutely no hope there, have we, really? No, absolutely not. Next thing here is the Rangers B team were beaten last week by Air United 3-0 in the SPFL Trust Trophy. However, after being 3-0 up on the 81st minute, they subbed on two players who were apparently registered to because they were contracted or transferred to other clubs, so they were actually ineligible. So after investigation, we have been awarded a th- the, three, the tie 3-0, so we've actually go through to the next round and play Aloha. For me, I mean, the rules are rules, I suppose. Uh, yes. It's, it's not the first time that this has happened with uh, somebody outside Rangers. It's happened with other teams where the, the, the game was not and void and awarded to the other, another, the, the opposing team. However, the whole thing doesn't sit well with me, to be honest. Um, the game was over. The players that came on made no material impact whatsoever in the game. So, not the best way to go through. Not the way Rangers want to win. Celtic are quite happy winning that way. Um, and on that note, it's quite funny. Celtic fans were saying, "Oh, you know, they've been fielding ineligible players, unregistered players for the la- for ten years. Strip their titles and re- award the opposition players." You know, Celtic fans they say that without any irony whatsoever. They twice have benefited from that when the game's been completely over. It's only been one player, and they were awarded the tie. You know, it was the standard age was one of them, was it not? Or Warsaw? Oh, sorry, Warsaw. It was Legia Warsaw it's, uh, in a much bigger competition as well, Derek. But as I say, it doesn't surprise me. These things are, are, are always forgotten about when it comes to, to that lot. But no, I understand what you're saying, Derek. It's not the way that we want to win, but it is what the rules are. And, you know, there's been a massive cock-up there made by the the, the powers that be at United that have allowed that to happen. So, you know, they've they, they've really got to take to take their medicine there. You know, we've we've been awarded that they'll be through to the next round round of the cup. It's you know that they're, they're needing to look at it as being, you know, like a second chance for them. But I know it, it it's no great Derek for the way to get through, but you know, it's happened and you know they just have to to, to take it as uh, you know a uh, uh, just like I said, another chance for, for the young players there who have been playing absolutely outstanding in the Lowland League this season. So, you know, a chance maybe for, for them to play a, a, a much better, you know, team and see see how, how they get on with that one. But uh, aye, a, a strange one as well and a, a massive. I'm sure the people at Air United will be absolutely devastated with that one as well. Exactly. I mean, Barry Ferguson's Aloha as well, so uh, it'll be a tough game. You know, certainly yep. another level above again. Um, you know, try to exercise some demons yes. as well from previous games against them. Aye, definitely. Yep. So, the last piece of football news here I've got, and it's not strictly about us, and it's about them on the other side of the city, but, you know, we try and only talk about us, but it does have a, a kind of effect on us as... Their accounts were were announced uh, today as well, and I'm sure ours is going to show a loss as well. But they have Celtic have shown a loss of 11.5 million pound for the season up until the end of June this year. 
up until the same period last year, they shown a hundred thousand pound profit. So that shows you how big an impact uh, that that everything's had over the last year. Now, obviously, COVID has largely kind of been, you know, the main impactor on that one there. However, there's also been the difference in transfer revenue, showing a loss of four million pound from the amount of players they've brought in to the amount of players they've sold over that period, and they also had to pay six hundred and thirty thousand pound termination payments to Lennon. More importantly on the back of this though is they've got a £16.5 million loan still outstanding. That is mega. You know, they've got that to the bank, I believe, as well. So all it takes is some financial issue to happen, which you know, the world's fucked up now with everything. But you know, all it takes is for the, the bank to call in that loan and they're they're facing a situation like we were were doing. Now we had, and apparently from last year's accounts, we had an £11 million loss, and that was partly to do with COVID. Not a great deal, but it was partly to do. And we had more transfer spending at that point as well than Celtic did. Uh, we've, now we've had the same COVID issues, but we've had no loans and we've had no termination fees either. We did have stadium upgrades throughout that point though as well. Yep. However, one major factor though, is our retail deal with Castor will be significant. So I'm expecting losses when our uh, latest accounts come out. I think it'll be November time, I think it normally is. But I'm not 100% convinced they'll be as bad as the losses that Celtic have made this year. If you also factor in that we've had 48,000 season tickets last year as well, yep. whereas there are lots of reports of Celtic fans asking for refunds from last year, I think we are <sighs> going to be in probably a possibly a better situation however i would say we've had a hell of a lot more outgoings and not many inc incomings in terms of uh, transfers so um we'll, we'll wait and see how that that transpires nothing to add there derek i do i, I realize that's up to a certain point you know that they've got that and obviously they've went out and sold quite a few of their players and got quite big money for that so I don't know if that's to sort of subsidise the amount of money that, that they've lost and things like that but you telling us uh, saying there about that loan I'm quite surprised about that that's a, a massive amount of money that you know that they've got a loan for, for the bank there and quite right you said we're in uncertain times Derek so uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on that one yeah however one hilarious moment is the fact that they put in their operational highlights of the last year is they were runners-up in the SPFL. <laughs> is, that, is this what you were talking about earlier on? Dave? Yes, Dave. <laughs> so they do, do tell. So they put certain things like, you know, winner of the delayed 2019-2020 oh Scottish Cup God. for the fourth season in a row. And uh -huh. they put random trivial things like that, which it is trivial because, you know, they're even admitting, yeah, it was delayed. It should have been yep. done last season. So how can it be really this? So they put random stuff in like that. But the fact that they also put in that they were runners up in the, the, the league is just comical. What they also should have put in, though, is they were voted the second best atmosphere for a stadium in the UK. <laughs> because they finished, yeah, they, they finished up runners-up to us once again. So. <laughs> oh, dearie, dear. 
know, it's, it's, it's as if they'll, they'll, they'll put anything down as an achievement, Derek. You know what I mean? That's, uh, but I suppose being second to how well we played last season, Derek. You know, it's not, it's not, not too, not too bad. But uh, aye, it's it's comical stuff. It, it, it really is. And as you say, that other wee bit right at the end, just just to let them know that the second best atmosphere, you know, you could get as 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 first thing to say. But the fact that they came second to us as well is just hilarious. I mean, there's a a joke, a sex joke related to finishing second there, but that actually shines something <laughs> in a good light there. So <laughs> trust you to know that one. <laughs> so moving on that note. On that note, <laughs> Reverend arrested after allegedly recording threesome with dominatrices at the altar. Okay. A priest in the US was arrested after he allegedly recorded himself having a threesome with two dominatrices <laughs> at the altar. Reverend Travis Clark, what a name, yep. was detained at St. Peter's and Paul Roman Catholic Church in Louisiana on the 30th of September after a passerby noticed what was going on and called the police. This obviously is either in the future or it was last year. <laughs> the women were dressed in corsets and high heels and <laughs> stage lighting and sex toys were found at the scene, as well as a phone and a camera mounted on tripods. Oh my to court God. Documents. Wasn't it the only tripod that was going on, was it? <laughs> Clark reportedly told police that the women were his guests and friends. Ah, uh, you bet they were. Clark, who has been a pastor at the church since last year, was charged with obscenity, according to NOLA.com. Mindy Dixon, a porn star and dominatrix for hire, and <laughs> Melissa Cheng were also charged with obscenity. The former posted on social media on the 29th of September saying that she was on her way to meet another dominatrix and defile a house of God. <laughs> <laughs> The Archdiocese announced that it had suspended Clark from the ministry the day after it was he was arrested. Clark was released from jail on a $25,000 bail and could face between six months and three years in prison if convicted. Archbishop Gregory Imond uh, subsequently visited the altar and performed a ritual to restore its sanctity. <laughs> That's even funnier than the actual story. <laughs> Town council member and lifelong member of the church, Kat Walsh, said she had always found Clark likeable and hardworking, but said that the arrest had upset her parishioners. <laughs> According to NOLA.com, she said, What upsets me? Why did he have to do that there? I'm upset for all of us, the parishioners of the church, why there? Neither the archdiocese nor Clark have made public comment about the arrest. There you go. Pearl River Mayor David McQueen said there hasn't been a whole lot of talk they're all kind of hush hush about it (laughs) (laughs) don't don't we know Derek don't we know the the story gets better here because there's a second bit the Archbishop has set fire to the altar after it was allegedly used in a priest he set fire to it (laughs) oh my god so it's, it's 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 had a ritual to make it holy again, and then it got set fire to as well. Yes, that's okay. amazing. Oh my god! On that note, <laughs> so Dave, the the least said that about the better. <laughs> There's a lot that could be said, Derek, but we'll just decline at this yes. moment in time. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> <laughs> So, on that note, we will end the podcast. 
So, as ever, if you want to check out all the other stuff that we do, you can go to our website, which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. I don't think I've updated anything from this season so far, so I need to get my finger out, Dave, don't I? You say that every single time, Derek, so it's just it's, it's just laziness in your, in your part. I mean, it's not as if you do much for this podcast, is it? No, pretty much no. <laughs> just up for the next four hours, into the wee hours of the morning. Probably into tomorrow as well, before the game. I know, but Derek, see, see if you actually stop watching porn at night, you would probably get a done name, <laughs> Quite probably. You know, <laughs> no comment. So, Dave, well, I've got, obviously got the game tonight. Uh, it needs to be a good result. It really needs to be because we need to win a cup this year, I think, don't we? I've actually just actually saw on the Sky Sports there that Gary McAllister said it could be the return of Ines Hadji and possibly... Nathan Patterson back into the Rangers team as well, so certainly needing a wee spark, I think, Derek. Maybe those two players could be the ones that could provide that, so here's just hoping that we get a good, straightforward victory. Derek, I'm I'm, I'm not even going on about us, you know, having an absolute dominant performance. I think I would just be happy with a good, straightforward professional victory. You know, a clean sheet, preferably, and a couple of goals just to see us through to the next round. I would be happy with that. Yes. So, all that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Good luck tomorrow, Rangers, and thanks for listening, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. That's well.